Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is our 61st lesson in the book of Acts. The title of the lesson is Acts 12, the Mustard Seed. And our text to begin is Acts chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, which say this. But the word of God increased and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. So just to remind you of the context of the end of chapter 12, James, the apostle James, was killed by King Herod with the sword in the beginning part of the chapter, and then the apostle Peter was arrested. Herod intended to kill him as well, but an angel of God was sent and rescued Peter from Herod's persecution, and then later Herod was struck dead by God. So the the context of the passage, though, of this of this chapter is majorly focusing on this violent ch- persecution, yet another violent persecution that broke out against the church, this time specifically against the church leaders. So already in our study of this book, we've seen Satan make many violent attacks to extinguish the gospel flame. But the Bible explains that this was impossible. It says that the word of God just increased and multiplied. In John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, we read, In him was life. The him is Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Later in Acts, we're going to see a shift in Satan's tactics, where instead of using fear and intimidation, he sought to undermine the church with false teaching and corruption in the gospel message. But though opposed vehemently from the beginning... The word of God cannot be contained. Jesus once used this analogy to describe his kingdom. In Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32, we read, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Jesus put another parable to the people immediately after this one that complements that first one. In verse 33, we read, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Jesus was no revolutionary in the sense of attacking government and societal structures like most revolutionaries do. But what Jesus was revolutionary in was his doctrine of the need for an individual to be born again and become reconciled to God. Jesus didn't tell governors how to change. He told every individual person what they needed to do to be saved, and why they needed to be saved. He explained that all of God's commands could be fulfilled if we loved God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loved our neighbors as ourselves. Though Jesus didn't preach social reform like many do, his dealing with broken, sinful individuals within those societies created this mustard seed effect throughout history. Wherever the gospel went, it caused undeniable change. Generally, human history is abominable. 
We have sacrificed children to idols of our own imaginations. We have killed unwanted babies all through history. We have kidnapped and enslaved. We have murdered, lied, cheated, raped, and oppressed our fellow image bearers of God all through time. Though God's moral conscience in a person's heart bore witness that these things were wrong, every culture continued in these ways, going further into darkness. But when Jesus came, there came a turning point in history. Today, there's no place in the world I know of where the slave trade is legal. Obviously, there are many people still enslaved. And because of sin, human trafficking is a big problem to this day in the world. But civilized governments all eventually abolished slavery. It's not legal to kidnap and enslave anyone. Women were exalted from being treated as property for man's pleasure to being honored and protected as the weaker sex. The church openly declared that you shall not kill what is born. And when unbelievers still wanted to get rid of unwanted babies, the church created the first orphanages. Indeed, I would say the free world is majorly built on the biblical principles given in the Judeo-Christian worldview. But sadly now, we see those civilizations trying to take credit for the mustard tree they've made their nests in, as if it is their own wisdom and power that created these things. Whatever your end times perspective is, we all agree that there is no other way to heaven than faith in Christ. If people reject him, there's not another sacrifice that's going to be offered. You either believe or you don't. It seems often that this prediction in God's word is becoming more and more prevalent. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse 1 to 5, we read, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. One of the common things you hear when you speak to old peop older people and, and hear them comment on the behavior of children they see today is they say, oh, we would have never behaved that way in our upbringing. And it's a reflection of this reality that we see a general decline in righteous behavior. And there's a connection between that decline and the rejection of God's gospel truth, which created the opposite effect when it first came. When people believed the gospel and turned to truth, morality changed, righteousness changed, holiness increased. But when you reject the source of that holiness, where's left for you to go? When people ask me what's the solution, I tell them there's only one hope. The only way to salvation is the gospel. If people don't believe the gospel, they will only continue going from bad to worse. Charles Darwin's Origin of Species gave man a justifiable excuse for living in a world he created that didn't include God. It's a very ironic thing since they themselves only exist because God created them. When man accepted this idea, 
he actually lost any self-value since he was no longer an image-bearer of God, but simply a product of random chance and time. And according to this thinking, we now actually have no reason to trust anything we think. After all, if my mind is merely a product of chance, how do I know my mind actually functions properly? At best, I can, know, I can only know it functions as it does, but I can't know that it functions in an accurate manner. These religious and philosophical decisions, of course, then led to moral consequences. The modern method of killing children is to merely do it before they come out of their mother's womb. It is murder still, but people have so seared their consciences that they've convinced themselves otherwise. What must Christians do? I call our attention back to what we read of the gospel in the midst of this persecution. It was not snuffed out. It didn't go into hiding. It increased all the more. If we are not partakers in this, we show not a flaw in the gospel, but rather a flaw in our own gospel profession. Our God still has all power and authority. We still have the same ministry of reconciliation. We still have the same promise that God's word will never pass away. We must faithfully exalt the truth. The word of God should not suffer any mute messengers. We are the light of the world, the city set on a hill. We know that salvation belongs to the Lord, and all those appointed to eternal life will believe. There are things outside of our control, but faithfulness to declare the truth is certainly within our power. Is the word of God increasing in you as an individual? If not, how can you increase it in the world? We are not to be those who shrink back. We are to be those who with patient endurance stay the course, keep the faith, and fight the good fight. God bless you all.